God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace to each of us, his children. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. I always look forward to the summer. In these 41 years in the ministry, I always look forward to the summer. Because invariably, during the summer, I would preach on some biblical character. Two or three times in the course of a summer, most of them were from the Old Testament. But every once in a while, there was one from the New Testament. And on this particular weekend, whether they're listening online this morning or whether you're here, the individual that I want to share with you has the name of Barnabas. Barnabas is mentioned a handful of times in the New Testament. But in Acts 11.24, this is what the good Dr. Luke writes about him. Luke bumps into this individual and he gives a rare appellation to him. He gives him a rare hand of applause. Luke has bumped into many people in his lifetime. He is a doctor by profession. And when he bumps into Barnabas, he sees something that he rarely sees. He feels something that he rarely feels. And this are the, these are the words that he shares about Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man. You can stop right there because it's very, very rare for the Bible to call anyone good except God himself. It says about Jesus, he went about doing good. And Luke dares to say to another human being, as he writes about him, he said, this was a good man. Barnabas was a good man, and then he explains why he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of faith. Those two go hand in hand. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, no one can come to me unless the Spirit draws him. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And because he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was also full of the most important byproduct of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. So here you have Barnabas, and he's declared to be a good man, and he is full of the Holy Spirit, and he's full of faith. And you will not be surprised at how Paul ends verse, or how Luke ends verse 24. He says, because of this man Barnabas, because of his goodness, his faith in the Holy Spirit, many, many, many people were added to the Lord. Many people came to the faith because God placed this man into their lives. And if you're trying to grade individuals by the standard of Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? There's the adjective. That they may see your good work. And then give glory to God. Barnabas was a good man. He did good works. And the one desire he had was not applause for himself. And I'll prove that a little bit later. There was no desire for applause for himself. There was one desire in his heart. That because of his goodness, others might say, there must be a God. Others would say, God has brought Barnabas into our life at this precise moment. Others would say, because of Barnabas, I became a believer. And then I was able to go and make others believers through the working of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was a good man. 
Let me share some things that the Bible shares about Barnabas. Tradition says that he, like Saul, had a secular name. When Saul became a believer there on the road to Damascus, uh, he's not Saul any longer, he's Paul, the Apostle Paul. Tradition says that Barnabas had a secular name, and when he became a Christian, and when he joined a small group, and when he joined a house church, the Christians themselves gave him another name. And the name they gave him was Barnabas. And the reason they gave him that name is the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. Oh my goodness. The people who hang around him, the people there in his small group, uh, the people in the house church, when they got to know him after no time at all, they said to themselves, why do we always feel better when we've left his presence? Why do we always feel encouraged when we've left his presence? Why can we come troubled and by the time we leave, we're soaring on wings like an eagle? They said, Barnabas has a gift. And the gift he has is the gift of encouragement. That was Barnabas. The Bible says he was a generous man. When he became a believer, he sat down at the table with God himself and he said, God, let's go over it. I'm, I'm a wealthy man. I own a lot of property. Let's go over this, God. How much do you expect me to give you? And as he spoke to God, looking at his word, he realized that God was not saying to him, 50% of what you have is yours, 50% is mine. Uh, God didn't say to him, do what they do in America with their taxes. Give me 30%, you keep 70 What God said to Barnabas is what he says to us all. He said, you keep 90%, Barnabas. You keep 90%. You're very wise and you're very kind and you're very caring. I know that 90% that you keep is going to be used to help others. But you give me 10%, Barnabas. Not that I need it. I'm God. But for the sake of those that I want to help and for the sake of your own spirit of generosity, uh, you keep 90%. Give me 10 And then there is an episode in the Bible. It is only one verse. It's half a verse. It's half a verse. It's as if uh, the Bible doesn't really want to draw attention to it, but it mentions it. It said Barnabas owned a a piece of land, and he sold the land. And the Bible says he took the entire price of the land, and he laid it at the feet of the apostles. And he said to the apostles, wherever you go, I want you to use this money to build God's kingdom. He didn't say, I'm going to keep 50% of the sale, and I'll give 50% to the apostle. He gave the entirety to them. He was a generous man. I suppose you would call him a philanthropist, right? Back there, 2,000 years ago, he was a generous man. Not only with his presence, his words, and his comfort, but he was a generous man with regards to that which God had placed into his lap, in the form of material possessions. There is a second point that the Bible makes about Barnabas. He was a missionary to the core. He was a missionary. Uh, When I talked about the brother of Jesus, the one named James, two weeks ago, uh, James is not a missionary. He stayed there in Jerusalem. He is the pastor of the first church, first Christian church in Jerusalem. He stayed right there. But Barnabas didn't stay there. He's a missionary. 
He looked at people and his heart melted when he saw people. And he looked at God's kingdom and his heart melted when he saw God's kingdom. If you have someone, do your math, 2 plus 2 equals 4. If you have someone who loves people, and if you have someone who loves God's kingdom, what do you think is going to happen? Exactly what Luke said did happen. Many people were added to the Lord. A missionary, his heart felt for people. His heart prayed for people. His heart yearned for people. His heart resolved to help people everywhere, anywhere, for the glory of God and the salvation of men's souls. You have Jonah. Jonah was called by God to be a missionary to Nineveh. Jonah said, ain't going to do it. Headed the other direction. Took a three-day vacation in the belly of the whale to change his mind. Here is Barnabas. God says to Barnabas, don't want you in Jerusalem. I want you up in Antioch. Barnabas could have said, are you kidding me? That's Gentile territory. I don't want anything to do with the Gentiles. When God said to Barnabas, I want you up in Antioch, Barnabas said, how soon do you want me? And is already packing his bags. He didn't see, as I've mentioned many times in these past two or three months, he did not see black or white. He did not see male or female. He did not see Jew or Gentile. He saw people... The same people that died on the, that Jesus died on the cross for. He saw people, and he wanted to connect them to God's kingdom. He wasn't hungry, he had God. He wasn't thirsty, he had God. He wasn't naked, he had God. He wasn't in prison, he had God. He wasn't sick, he had God. But there were these Gentiles, and they were hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and in prison, and... By golly, Barnabas was going to be the one who brought them the food and the drink and the presence of God himself. Luke said about him, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of truth. you got two categories of people on this earth. Ready? If you're Christians... You have those who are solid in doctrine and you have those who are solid in work. And many, many times those who are solid in doctrine, they do not have the heart for people. They know the Bible backwards and forwards. They can quote any verse that you want. They've got the, got the Book of Concord memorized and Luther's Augsburg Confession. But when it comes to a heart, that's not one of their gifts. Barnabas was apostolic in his doctrine. He knew the Scriptures backwards and forwards. And he was apostolic in his work. There was one thing that came forth from him, and that was compassion and mercy and grace and humility. That was Barnabas. I'm going to mention a third thing about this man. His name, again, uh, Son of Consolation. He was comfort to the people. What a special gift one has who can comfort and console. What a gift one has who, when they open their mouths, the, the words that come out are not negative, they are not critical, they are not finger-pointing, they do not bring a person down, they do not bring a person to judgment. 
God be praised for the rare griff when you open your mouth. What comes out uplifts people. What comes out gives people hope. What comes out is vast encouragement. Isaiah 40, 29, even young men stumble and fall, even youths get tired and weary. But for those who wait upon the Lord, He renews their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles, they'll walk and not grow weary, they'll run and not grow faint. But someone has to bring that word to them. And God be praised for the individual who's not only apostolic in his doctrine, but apostolic in his work. This was Barnabas. When God said, I want you up in Antioch, the great Gentile territory, and when the council said to Barnabas, we want you up there because of this gift that you have, Barnabas went. Christianity, is it meant to be fire and brimstone? No, Christianity, is it meant to be a hammer held over people's heads? No. Christianity, is it meant to be God's looking at everything you do and when you fall, He's going to zap you? No. Christianity is meant to be vigorous comfort to the people. You look at Jesus' comment about the Holy Spirit, John fourteen twenty six. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes... When the Counselor comes, that's what he calls him, the Counselor, the Comforter. When the Comforter comes, he will teach you all things and he'll bring to your mind an understanding of everything that has occurred. How does the Holy Spirit bring us comfort? These promises. When Paul Strand begins to go, grow crazy with worry, about elections and, and all this stuff. Are you kidding me? When he begins to grow very, very nervous and afraid and worried by the chaos that is going on, what does he do? He grabs hold of the promises. Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In modern vernacular, the promise, I got this. You don't have to worry, I got this. They might think all things are in their hands, but they're not. I've got this. 7,000 promises and they are meant to comfort you. Let me ask you this question. When your mom and dad promised you something, when my mom and dad promised me something, Paul, we're going to go on vacation up to Lake Bemidji, okay? Paul, we're going to do this, that, or the other. Whenever they made me a promise, whether it was an ice cream cone or a vacation trip, when they made me a promise, why were they making me the promise? They were making me the promise to make me feel better, to comfort me, to bring a smile to my face, to bring joy to my heart. They never made me a promise in order to destroy my happiness. If your mom and dad, if my mom and dad made us promises, if you made promises to your children... You always made the promise because you wanted to comfort them and console them and uplift them and give them something to look forward to. When God makes 7,000 promises in this Bible, why does He do it? Same reason. To comfort, to console, to grant peace. 
when he promises that this tiny little thing called faith in you would have the power to move mountains of fear, do you believe that promise? When he promises, Deuteronomy 31.6, do not be afraid or tremble, the Lord your God is with you. Do you believe that promise? When he shares with you the story about the Red Sea opening, when he shares with you the story about lepers being cleansed, when he shares with you the story about 10,000 people fed with five loaves and two fish, why the promises? To give you comfort and peace, to take fear and say, be removed. And before the Holy Spirit ever came, Isaiah is talking about Jesus in the Old Testament 700 years before he's born. And when, and this is what he said, he said, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called four things, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. What is he called first? Is he called Mighty God? No. Is he called Everlasting Father first? No. Is he called Prince of Peace first? No. What is he called? Wonderful Counselor. The exact same title that Isaiah gave to him was the exact same title that Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit. The Counselor, the Comforter will come. I would say one final word about Barnabas. How rare is it for a person in high school when their friend makes a football team and they don't? How, how difficult is it for that person to say, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad you made it even though I didn't. When you're looking for a class ranking in high school, how difficult is it to say to someone who's ranked higher than you are, I'm so happy and proud of you. When you're at work and someone gets a promotion and you've been waiting five years for that promotion to come to you, and they bring someone in from the outside, he's only been there for three months, and he gets the promotion you've been waiting for for five years. How many of you raise your hands? <laughs> that means no one's going to raise their hands on this one. How many of you go up to that man who's only been there three months, you've been there five years, and say to him, I am so proud and so happy for you. Your skills are better than mine. I am excited for you. How come I don't see any hands up? You know what Barnabas was like? Give me chills. You know what Barnabas was like? When the Apostle Paul became a believer on the road to Damascus, when he became a believer, the one who tortured Christians and assented to the death of Stephen, when he becomes a believer, he says to the apostles in Jerusalem, I want to join your small group. I want to become a part of your small group. I want to join your church. What do you think the apostles did? They said, are you out of your mind? You have destroyed families that we have grown to know and love. You were on the road to Damascus to find other Christians. You're trying to trick us. You're trying to infiltrate the Christian group. We don't trust you. And even if you are a believer, you have caused so much hurt that we don't want to see your face. We don't have anything to do with you. The Apostle Paul, there was one person 
who went to the apostles in Jerusalem and said to them, The Apostle Paul is a changed man. Each of you ran away from Jesus. Some of you, Simon Peter, looking him in the eyeball, some of you denied him. You are not the same people. You've been changed by the Holy Spirit. And one man went and stood in front of them, and he mediated for the Apostle Paul. He said, God has changed him just like he changed you. Accept this man. He can do great things for the kingdom. Who was the guy who was a mediator? Barnabas. Barnabas. When they started their ministry, it was Barnabas and Paul. Only one time in the Bible, Barnabas and Paul. Because shortly thereafter, it's Paul and Barnabas. How did Barnabas deal with his demotion? He said, Apostle Paul, I'm so proud of you. You finished first in the law class under Gamaliel. You have such great intelligence. You, you have the ability to administrate. I have the gift of consolation and mercy, but your gifts are huge. I will be happy to be in your shadow. And when they sent Barnabas up to Antioch after a brief time, he did not like confrontation, and that's what was going on there, Jew and Gentile, circumcised and uncircumcised. And after a brief time, Barnabas said, I can't handle this anymore. And he said to the council at the church at Antioch, I have the man for you. I'm going to bring him up from Jerusalem. And his name is Paul. And for one entire year, Paul led that Antioch church with Barnabas as his right-hand man, providing the comfort to the people. I love the summer because I love preaching about a biblical character. This one from the New Testament. And how did I end last night? And how did I end when I taped this message on Tuesday? I ended by saying, your name might not be Barnabas, but any one of us can be consolation, comfort, and peace to others. Any one of us can be that. Because we have the Word of God, we feed upon it. And for those who are hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison and sick, because they don't have these promises. They wake up with fear and worry. They carry it all day long and they go to bed at night with fear and worry. You and I have something that people hunger for. You and I can be sons and daughters of consolation. And by God's grace, may we be that in our Savior's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, may we hearten, may we encourage, may we inspire, may we uplift the sons and daughters of men. May we have what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, a loving spirit. I don't care whether I can speak in the tongues of men and angels. I don't care whether I give everything I possess to the poor. 
I don't care whether I give my body to the flames because of my faith. What I do care about, and all of your children should, is that I have a loving spirit with regards to other people on this planet. And if I have a love for them, and if I have a love for God's kingdom, then I pray that there might be one or two or more that come to know Jesus through me, a son of consolation, or through me, a daughter of consolation, in our Savior's name. Amen.